Hi, and thank you for tuning in to Public Service Psychology Now, a podcast for APA Division 18 members to keep informed of current events in the division and APA. I'm Tiffany Fennell, Division 18 president and your host for this episode. Well, it's nearly fall, which means that it's almost time to elect our next president-elect of APA. And I've sent out requests to all five candidates who have all agreed to be interviewed for the podcast, which is awesome. And they will be specifically telling us while they're running and how their platform connects to those of us public service psychologists. I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Mary Ann McCabe, and I will give a brief intro and then we'll dive into questions and that I'll be asking of all of the candidates. So Dr. McCabe is a clinical psychologist in independent practice and board certified in clinical child and adolescent psychology. She is an APA fellow of divisions 37, 42, 53, and 54, and member of the Virginia Academy of Clinical Psychologists. She is associate clinical professor of pediatrics at George Washington University School of Medicine. She's earned a reputation within and outside of APA as someone who is collaborative, hardworking, and demonstrates integrity and respect for others. Within APA, Dr. McCabe serves on the Council of Representatives, Chair of the Child, Adolescent, and Family Caucus, and as Chair of the Interdivisional Task Force on Child and Adolescent Mental Health. She was Chair of the Board of Professional Affairs and member of the Board of Educational Affairs. She has served as a member of the work group on expanded advocacy and chair of the committee for professional practice and standards. While president of the Society for Child and Family Policy and Practice, Division 37, she led a collaboration across seven divisions to develop www.infoaboutkids.org to share science-based information for parents, educators, and health professionals. Wow. So thank you so much for joining me here today and being willing to talk about your platform with our members. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm I'm delighted to have my first podcast opportunity here today. Um, So I'm going to outline a little bit about, um, you know, what's, um, what's most important to me at this point in history and why I'm running now. Um, You know, as I think everybody would agree, the pandemic year has just focused our attention on so many urgent problems, but they're not new. They're just spurring us to act now. you know, the rising rates of mental health conditions, substance use disorders, suicide, domestic violence, um, inadequate access to care, um, health and mental health and educational inequities, um, systemic and structural oppression and discrimination, uh, unequal economic fallout during the pandemic, um, universities and research hurt. Uh, uh, obviously, in the workplace, we have employers and employees both kind of struggling to adapt to new normal as we are. Um, and there's mistrust of science, political divides. I, c- I could go on. Many of those things are not new, but they are. Um, they're so severe now that they're spurring us to act. Um, I think that never in our lifetimes has psychology been poised to make more significant impact on public well-being. Um, And I think psychology and mental health need to be part of the public health safety net. So if I'm, uh, what you'll notice across my priority areas, 
is um, an emphasis to start early and set long-term goals for sustainable change. I bring a developmental perspective to almost all of my work, even the work itself. If I'm elected, my leading initiative will be to advance evidence-based and culturally responsive prevention across the lifespan. I expect that that might take the form of a task force, but the details um, you know, would have yet to be um, have yet to be decided, it would, um, it would really depend on what fits with APA activities at the time. But um, based on our science, we know that what happens earlier in life affects adult health, affects families, affects communities, uh, it affects equity. Um, and I think that if we leverage psychological science, we could actually enable a new generation uh, to live healthier lives in a safer world. So that's my specific unique initiative. Um, but I think we need to do several things at the same time. Um, and, you know, some of my other priorities are, you know, to showcase psychological science that contributes to public well-being, to advance social justice and champion equity, um, to support teachers of psychology, because I think they are our ambassadors for potential future psychologists. Uh, to, to inform young people about psychology as a STEM science and about the full range of careers in psychology. To broaden psychology, um, to, to broaden the public understanding of psychology. Um, I think we could work with some other science disciplines to help improve science literacy at the pandemic and, um, and some of the health communications about the virus and the vaccine have certainly shown us that, um, that we have a heavy lift there. Um, I'd like to invest in the future leadership pipeline for APA. I feel very strongly both that we need to diversify the psychology workforce, and I've done work in that for, for about a decade. Um, but in addition, I think we need to really champion early career psychologists playing a role in governance. Um, and we need to do some specific continued advocacy, um, you know, advocacy for reimbursing telehealth, for instance, or advocacy for interjurisdictional practice, um, advocacy for equitable access to care, uh, advocacy for um, for funding basic and applied psychological science and technology, um, and most importantly, perhaps now one of the things that has spurred my willingness to serve um, APA in this way is that I feel really strongly we need to collaborate with other organizations and APA has really stepped up its partnerships in the last few years. Um, it's something that's been very important to me my whole career. So I'd like to continue to advance APA's collaborations both nationally and internationally. Um, those are my priority areas. Well, it sounds um, very, um thinking very long, I'm trying to think in a year, but those are a lot of great, very important priority areas. Um, just thinking about the leadership pipeline, but also public health, public's literacy when it comes to psychology. Um, and of course, you know, advocating for uh, social justice type of issues. And um, so quite a lot um, that you're, you're wanting to take on. And a lot things are underway. Yes. Um, what I would like to do is um, is ensure that they are um, priorities. But um, fortunately, some of those things are already underway. That's true. 
And I know in Division 18, some of those are also kind of speak to us as, as well. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about, um, I guess, first, maybe, you know, how familiar you are with Division 18 and, and then maybe how you see um, the role of public service psychology in connection with your, with your initiatives. Sure. So, you know, I've had the opportunity to become familiar with Division 18 over a long period of time. Um, um, I, I've become familiar with the settings and the systems that Division 18 members um, work in. So, for, um, for example, when I was director of the Society for Research and Child Development Executive Branch Policy Fellowship Program, um, I worked with psychologists at the National Institute of Justice to create a fellowship program for developmental scholars. Uh, fellowship placement, I'm sorry. Um, and then when I was a uh, member and then chair of APA Board of Professional Affairs, I, I worked quite closely with um, psychologists who work in the VA um, and um, on a variety of different practice issues. After I was um, served on, on, on the Board of Professional Affairs, I actually led um, the APA Global Summit on Integrated Care and um, worked really closely with a few VA psychologists. Um, and we went on over the next few years to collaborate on a manuscript for American psychologists. That's um, Dr. Lisa Kearney and Dr. Tony Zeiss. So, so um, that's probably my deepest and longest specific collaboration um, with Division 18 members. But the other, the other way that I've kind of touched on some of your members is actually not about um, settings, but shared interest areas that are specific to, to things that I've worked on. For example, um, one, of the, um, one of the issues that I worked on, have worked on in the, as chair of the Interdivisional Task Force on Child and Adolescent Mental Health is um, trauma um, in Native communities, trauma in children in Native communities. And one of our leaders, um, Deanne Willis, um, was a pioneer in, in um, setting up programs on reservations. And so that was, that, that's been on my radar and, um, and part, of, part of what we've done in the, worked on it with, with the task force for more than a decade. Um, another, another area where it came back around was I'm a member of the National Academies of Science, uh, Engineering and Medicine Forum on Children's Wellbeing. And um, we have actually featured in some of our workshops um, multi-generational programs for native uh, communities on to prevent substance use disorders. Um, and then finally, the same forum has um, included a lot of scholarship um, surrounding prevention and early intervention with serious mental illness. So um, we've learned about some of the exciting stuff that's happening at NIMH um, regarding intervening early with schizophrenia and things like that. Um, so, I think I've overlapped a little bit with members, both in terms of the settings and systems in which they work, and then sometimes on the issues that we, we have in common. Certainly seems so. Um, in quite a breadth of experience and, and work, um, I might add. So thank you for sharing. Um, so maybe tell us about um, maybe how, maybe some specific examples or tell us a little bit more um, well, let me, sorry, let me go back to my initial question about how you see the role of public service psychology in connection with your presidential initiatives. And I think that's my mistake, because I think you kind of, 
asked me to answer that and I didn't get oh, to it well, yet. No, um, I, com I combined <laughs> questions and no, you're fine. Yes. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think actually prevention science and evidence-based prevention programs are directly relevant to many, if not all public service psychologists. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, everything from different, different areas, like I just mentioned serious mental illness, suicide prevention, substance use prevention, violence prevention. Um, you know, a lot of the really great science we have about what programs work um, has touched on a lot of the work of public service psychologists. And, and similarly, as I mentioned before, I think it also, uh, my initiative in that area also overlaps with settings. So uh, native communities, community and state hospitals, policing, criminal justice, um, and the VA. Um, so I think that public service psychologists are in some ways kind of vital to, um, to my emphasis on bringing, shining light on evidence-based um, programs and prevention science as a way to advance social justice, but also as a way to address a lot of problems um, um, heading into the next generation. Um, in terms of specific ways I may engage members, um, I think I, I would see myself as directly consulting the division, um, consulting division leadership um, uh, to identify members of the division who may be, um, whose work I may, it may be very important for this initiative, uh, and, um, and, and then in addition, whose work may be very important for things like social justice and combating discrimination, um, you know, broad goals for science and education and training and some of the other things. I know that um, some of your members are already probably very intricately involved in the presidential task force on um, policing in African-American communities and expect that the, those recommendations would get enacted over you know, over the over the few years of a presidential, you know, three year experience, um, and uh, so I expect that that's an easy, um, an obvious way in which um, I, I would be interacting a lot with Division eighteen. That's all. That sounds wonderful. I know um, over the years, sometimes some of our members or sections, because we have several sections, have mentioned that you know, um, APA doesn't always call on us to help with some of their, you know, initiatives or their priority areas. So I'm glad to hear um, that you um, may be able to reach out to us, you know, is applicable. And um, and certainly, yes, I, I know of one of our members who does serve on that um, presidential task force, but especially if there's others that you initiate, you know, that, mm -hmm. you know, makes sense for us to be involved with. I think that would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot to offer. You kind of um, hit on one of my uh, my next questions about how you might engage Division 18 or its members in your initiatives, like um, consulting. I guess any other, anything else you might add? Well, one of the other things I've been really struck by um, in um, during this campaign is hearing from a few divisions that they'd like to collaborate with other divisions mm -hmm. more than they are. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, certainly I have, um, I know it sounds really, um, it sounds really simple, but I, I am a huge fan of collaborating. Uh, when I was a board chair, board of professional affairs, I actually initiated a breakfast of the chairs, um, the board chairs, because there was never an opportunity to talk with other boards about the cross-cutting agenda or to see um, where we had points of common concern or common interest. 
And to my knowledge that breakfast still exists, um, but it was really a renegade idea back in 2013 to, to have organize a breakfast of the board chairs. Uh, but I, I was heartened to hear some divisions specifically speak to me about wishing they could collaborate more with others. It's ranged from um, overlapping, you know, interests, um, you know, like for instance, when I was president of Division 37, we actually held our winter meeting and jointly with Division 43, couple and family psychology. Um, it, so some divisions have an interest at that level of collaborating that maybe there's some agenda items that they literally share and that you could literally meet together and talk mm. about them together. Other divisions have even raised um, wishing that they could share data platforms. Um, you know, that there, there's some work that they'd like to do that is in some ways, you know, would rely on some technology or, you know, IT capability. Um, um, and then I, I know others um, would like to collaborate in terms of being, um, being heavily involved in certain issues that APA is uh, is working on, right? To your point earlier right. about right. some feeling, you know, that they're not invited in. Um, so I I think that I'm 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 um, I'm a fan of the sanctity of specific interest areas that have formed divisions over the years, and I feel strongly that that's a community for a lot of us. But in addition, I think that um, a lot of our work and a lot of our interaction with APA could probably be a little bit better by collaborating more. So that's another way that I could see reaching out to Division 18 is to, um, you know, I could imagine myself actually asking division leadership what ways they may want to collaborate with each other a little differently. Yeah, that, I know um, I, I'm looking into that very thing myself too. Um, so I think that would be wonderful to have on, I guess, on your radar, on your end. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, um, finding some ways for divisions to collaborate on APA's, you know, mm -hmm. initiatives and, and your initiatives mm -hmm. um, or potential, potentially as present. Yeah. 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 I mean, we have some models of that already. And I think, but I think that they're, um, they're limited to the structures that already exist. So, mm -hmm. you know, we all know about CODAPAR funding and mm -hmm. collaborative grants and, there are some interdivisional task forces. Um, uh, a few of them are very active. There's, there's, a, you know, there's at least one coalition. But I think that those are the structures that have been in place for a really long time. And I think maybe our needs for collaborating have have grown a little bit. Well, thank you for for sharing about that. Well, I know I've asked. Of my questions, but now I want to give you an opportunity to to um, to tell us anything else you'd like our members to know. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, you know, some of this is um, some of this is available on my website, and I'm sure you know members who are who are really actively engaged and um, and look into candidates can 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 look at the website. It's www.maryann for the number four apa.com. Um, but I guess I just want to reiterate um, this idea that I have been involved in collaborations my whole career. I, I was the, the first psychologist in an oncology department when I first um, graduated from training and, and worked with physicians. Um, and 
and it was just the beginning of what has happened repeatedly in different settings and different leadership roles over time. I always am promoting psychology and with, uh, with other disciplines or with other organizations. Um, that leadership, I, I think that that has positioned me to be the only candidate who has led collaborations across subfields, across organizations, across, um, uh, organiz across professions and across countries. Um, and I feel very strongly that that's the way that APA will, will be strong and impactful uh, is to both you know, do due diligence within our own organization and work very hard on fixing some things and um, improving some things and building on momentum that APA I think has already started in terms of um, public understanding of how essential psychological science and practices but I also think that we have to keep our eye on the outside as well and, and build those collaborations. Um, so I've worked with congressional offices, I've worked with federal and state policymakers, I've worked with federal funders, I've worked with private foundations, insurers, business advocacy groups. And I think that that, you know, that experience, which is unusually broad, um, fits this moment for APA. Um, and I think my passion for health promotion and equity fits this moment in our history. Thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate your sharing your platform. Um, it sounds like such uh, a way to make such a significant impact on society. And I wish you the very best um, in your, in your, I guess, what do you call it? I guess running for, for office. And thank you so much for all of your service in APA. Um, I know you've served in many different capacities, but especially thank you so much for, for wanting to take on this big leadership role. Thank you so much. And thanks for the opportunity to talk with you today. Um, and um, uh, I look forward to collaborating. Well, everyone will bring this episode to a close. Again, I, I'm glad that Dr. McCabe was able to share with us today and we'll be um, meeting with the other four candidates too over the next couple of weeks. Um, and I guess a couple of other little, the usual to let you know or to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series so you don't miss a new episode as they're released. And just wanna um, let everybody know too, um, that we're continuing our 75th anniversary of our division this year. So we'll be having some more interviews with past presidents coming up. So stay tuned for those. But otherwise, wish everybody well. Take good care. Bye.